0: sunday means sports cards at the palm beach kennel club south florida's premier sports card and memorabilia event the pbkc sports card show live from the second floor of the legendary palm beach kennel club a little bit of golf at pga national not going to stop anything here at the pbkc because of course as we always do We're bringing you the sports card memorabilia show. Myself, Theo Dorsey from WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. We got J-Mart who had the big reunion with Evan Cohen today, or this week, excuse yeah, me, at yeah. the Honda Classic. How was that, j Mark?
1: It was fun, man, just like old times, doing uh, doing radio from the Honda Classic. Yeah, being too loud.
0: I was about to say, yeah, I'm sure you annoyed a lot of uh, those innocent <laughs> bystanders trying to enjoy some golf. And then we have a gift here, Pat Rooney Jr., czar of the PBKC, also from the Rooney family. Everybody knows the Rooney family with the Steelers and whatnot. Yep. We love Pat Rooney Jr. for his takes on here. And then he also doesn't, you don't give us too much Steelers homer stuff here so i appreciate that you're very honest in your in your takes
2: Nathio, uh listen I, I, I give you as much inside info as i can on the team but uh, <laughs> if, if someone's going to be critical of them that's me that's, i am not going to hold back
0: i appreciate that i appreciate that and for those who are locked in on the honda classic at pga national the leaders don't tee off until 135 chris kirk and eric cole at the top of the leaderboard there will be out there Um, And also following this show, which runs from 10 to 11, we'll have the Honda Classic Live with Ken Lavica live from PGA National and also Pat Rooney Jr. making another appearance on that as well. We can't keep you off the airwaves.
2: Yeah, guys, listen, it's important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, Kennel Club, want to be here, president of the the, the operation. (laughs) But if if you're going to let me go with Ken – for a half hour or so, I'm out of here. So i would be here for about 45 minutes, and i got to head up there. I, I totally understand it. I
0: totally understand it. i got to go get uh, take part in some of the action out there. And one thing about it, I know before this uh, Honda Classic teed off, um, everybody was questioning whether or not the crowd would be there. People were wondering with the field not being as strong, would it be as big of a party? Would it be as big of a scene? And we saw from Saturday, I don't know if you were out there, Pat. j I was out there Saturday. I've been there every day. It's been an amazing crowd. It's been a lot of good golf at the top of the leaderboard. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. I I haven't noticed a thing. How about y'all?
1: So I only went out on Thursday. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the crowd was fine. It, 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 Thursday is a weird it's day a weird, to kind of yeah. judge how how big the size of the crowd is. So I don't really know. I'm going out right after this show, so I'm hoping it's going to be a big, uh, wild crowd today.
2: Oh yeah. I think Theo, you you put it right. It, it's almost more of a party type entertainment event than a golf event. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the Honda. It's it's been great great for our community great for PGA for several uh, you know several years now but it's really turned into more of a social or shall I say, drinking yes, event, yes. And, and that's that's due to, I think, the great job that Ken Kennerly, Ed McEnroe, Andrew George have done with that tournament to, to make it much more than a golf tournament, and, and uh, I think even though, like you're saying, the field might not be quite up to the A-list of guys that you might be used to seeing week to week, it's still a great golf tournament, great golf course, mm. and it's really an event.
0: It's really an event. I love it. I've loved every second of it. I can't wait to get back out there as well. But, of course, we start here on the second floor of the PBKC. It is the sports card and memorabilia trading show. We have uh, so many different vendors here, dozens and dozens up here with their tables. They got all kinds of uh, different sports cards selling at different uh, levels and numbers, ticket prices. We're going to talk about one guy who's coming up who has all of the NBA just in in a bit of a flurry here trying to get up the leaderboards. In the draft order to get him, and I, I'm going to start estimating about how much his card will be selling for on this floor in a Vic Wimbanyama in a little bit here. But this is the site to be at um, here, and we're going to be doing it from I think it started at 10 a.m., running to about 3 p.m. here on yep. the second floor. Free parking, free admission, and also a good chance to get your hands on some cards that might be worth some value down the line here. I, I can't say this enough when it comes to uh the sporting world around this time of the year we cling to any kind of excitement anything we can get our hands on that kind of moves the needle and i'm not sure if you guys saw i think we have to start here the finish between the sixers oh you're killing me and the Celtics. now i know i, I know i know look i understand i understand it didn't end the way you wanted it to end but even in a in a loss here for the Sixers last night against the Celtics and what was one of the more dramatic finishes we've seen in the NBA was there for a moment there? Were you watching it live? Number one, and for a moment there, did you just think that you witnessed the the greatest tying shot in NBA history from Joel and
2: I did watch good chunks of the game. Yeah, uh, I saw the end there, and uh, I, I, I I watched it on replay, and I'm like, Joel has to know he's got one second basically right. to throw that thing up, and he makes like a, a like a little move. I'm like, dude, throw it up, and he did <laughs> makes it. And, and of course, it was just barely too long. But as a basketball player, and I'm not listen. This guy's going to be probably going to be the MVP. Uh, you got to have a sense that you, you really can't make any kind of any kind of move. You got to catch and throw. Yeah. And that's the only shame of it because boy, oh boy, that would have been exciting if they would have went to overtime. And that game was awesome. Would have been, I think, even better in overtime. But I got the Celtics get a lot of credit. That's the fourth time I think they beat the Sixers in a row. So they definitely have their number, and they're the team to beat in the East, in my opinion. For those
0: who didn't see it, the game was. Not- At 107, Jason Tatum hits a step back three um, with just about a minute, a second and a half left to give the Celtics a three point lead. Joel Embiid catches the ball off the inbound, takes a dribble like Pat Rooney Jr. just said, and inexplicably gets the ball off maybe like a half second late when you watch the replay. But when you watch it in real time, it looks like he launches it 75 feet. It drains through the net. People are celebrating, think it's a tie game. Uh, Christian Cat, who's back in the studio, can we get the playback there um, from last night on ESPN's broadcast? Joel Embiid sinking a 75-footer just a moment too late. One of the best shots we didn't make. Inbound to Smart. Bounce pass Tatum. Tatum puts up a three. Bang! Jason Tatum from downtown. Thanks, C-Cat. That's courtesy of ESPN's broadcast again. uh, Joel Embiid launching one um, 75 feet. He did this before in the bubble, and it was also a shot that happened after the time expired. So now I'm starting to wonder. This this needs to be something scripted up for the Sixers. If you're ever down... Just let him lock in. Give the ball to Embiid. Let him launch the ball across the court and see what happens. And also, get the dang ball off on time, right? Like, how can you have almost history in your hands like that and you miss it because you're over here lollygagging, dribbling, and spinning?
1: Well, see, you say, like, that's the question. Does the question also become then, do you give it to Embiid in this spot? I think we should. <laughs> because, yeah, he can make the shot, but, but if he can't get it up in time, it does not matter.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like, so – may as well give somebody else a shot.
0: I see the way I thought j was going with it was should the referees just because of the difficulty of shot just have given him the make and I think I, I what? would, would low-key <laughs> lean on that side of it I mean it's regular season
2: basketball let's let's stir up some interest here man I could just see that though you yeah, know it's clearly still in his hand and we're like ah, we're just going to give it to him. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly <laughs> <laughs> You think everybody in Boston would absolutely <laughs> berserk on that <laughs> like what? <It's, laughs> but I, I, yeah. I'm with you if they wanted to for me because I'm a Sixers fan oh, so I would have yeah, taken it.
1: After the Tim Donaghy stuff, there's no way the NBA is going to be doing stuff like yeah. that.
2: Yeah, if it wasn't for gambling and whatnot,
0: yeah. If this was, Let's just say this is high school, and again, I've, I've been a high school official before. Uh, let's say this is high school JV and somebody makes a half-court shot like that and you know they might have got it off like a half-second late. You know, just turn the blind eye. Let great <laughs> plays happen. The fans are not here to watch us really go strictly well, okay, by the rules so here. If they want to see...
1: If Greatness. you can do it and nobody's going to know, then that's great. <laughs> then but that's if you're a reverie great. and you do it and everybody <laughs> yeah. in the world yeah. knows, that's a problem. Hard,
0: hard to do it on the NBA stage. <laughs> exactly. Hard, to, hard <laughs> yeah. to do it on the NBA stage. Uh, I, you, you brought something up, Pat Rooney uh, Jr. here, who, and, of course, you're being a homer um, talking about <laughs> Joel Embiid. And you, you mentioned just slippingly in there, I don't know if you noticed it, Jay Mart. he just said, yeah, he's probably going to be the MVP this year. I don't think many people are
2: agreeing with you right now. I think Nikola Jokic still has it in his bag. What makes ah, so he's confident? won it. There you go. He's won it enough. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Josh won it last year too. But no, he's a great player and listen, Tatum has to be making a case that dude is i, I saw some stat on espn that he, he's leading in the last five seconds over the last five years of making either tying or winning shots you know that's that says something that's a that means you're clutch that means in the big spot you're like michael jordan they're going to you and you're going to make the shot so that to me should factor into it a little bit more that guy is is really a one-man wrecking crew and uh has unbelievably performed, I think, in especially a lot of clutch situations, uh, even to the dismay of my Sixers. Yeah. But I give the guy credit. He had the dude right in his face on that three-pointer and still nailed it. You think about the talent that we have in the league today.
0: When you talk about guys like Jason Tatum, who might not even be on MVP ballots at the end of the year because you have Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Bucks, because you have Nikola Jokic, two-time reigning MVP, looks like the odds-on favorite to win it again. Joel Embiid, who has such a strong case, like – Luka Doncic Luka. on the other side. There's so much talent, at the, especially at the top of the NBA right now. I feel like hopefully it continues to help with the parity. Because you think about like 10 years ago today, we knew who were going to be in the finals at this point. Whoever LeBron was playing <laughs> for in the East and then whatever super team was in the West. Today, as a Sixers fan, you have hope that your team sure. can make a finals push. Bucks fans think that Giannis could pull them back to it. In the West, you got the Suns. You got the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Mavericks even, like, there's a lot more, and for people like me and J-Mart who are Heat fans, you really are you locked in with the Heat too? J-Mart? Oh yeah. yeah okay, yeah. just making sure. It's it's not maybe not so much hope right now. Maybe waiting on next year. But yeah. there's so much hope across the top of the league and parity around these teams that are contending for titles right now. So much talent as well. Like I've only seen you know in my limited 30 years so much NBA. But I feel like this is the most talented crop that we've had ever. For y'all that have seen a little bit more NBA, I mean, how do you even gauge? Especially at the top of the league with this top end talent, like what we're going to be looking back on this era twenty years from now, saying about.
1: Well, I think it's about the, the how condensed the talent is. Yeah, I don't know that there's necessarily more or whatever, but there's teams that have more guys on them. I, like I, I really think I love the parity in the NBA yeah. today. You know what I mean? Like you can't pick four teams and say one of these is definitely going to win it. I mean, you can you can. Probably do pretty well on that, but it's
0: tough. It's way tougher now.
1: But there's definitely teams on both sides that could that that could win it all, and that was not that was not always the case. I don't know. I don't know that I'm going to agree that there's more talent. Maybe there is, but I think it's just more about it being the way it's distributed.
2: Mm. So, so I think other's the, uh, there's eras where you have super teams in, in all sports. And then there's eras where there's there's parity. I think they're good in both ways. You, you know, if you have teams you know, like the Steelers of the '70s or 49ers of the '80s or New England of the last two two decades, you, you know that that's fine. Teams, because a lot of times people hate those teams. So yep. it. it it causes passion and you want to see somebody different win it, but you respect them because they're so good and they're able to be so consistent. But then you have eras where there's, you know, you don't know who's going to win, and that's good too. Yeah. You know, you, I think it's a good to have a balance of that, you know, like you talk about in the NBA. You had Golden State, you had whoever LeBron was on for so many years, and and now maybe you don't know who's going to win, and that's actually a good thing because it keeps people from all those cities interested. You're right. You named a bunch of teams there. I really think any of them could win this year and it wouldn't be a shock.
0: Yeah. And, and fan bases are staying locked in now. They don't think, oh, we're out of it. We're just fighting for a playoff series win. Like, there's so many fan bases that think we could be the team at the end of the road holding up the Larry O.B. trophy. And I think that's a beautiful time. And speaking of just holding up plenty of trophies and winning and dynasties and championships, uh, coming to Palm Beach Kennel Club very soon, a man who is just almost synonymous with winning, World Golf Hall of Fame member Gary player he will be the lunch with the legend uh, in uh, keynote speaker monday april 17th live in the Paddock restaurant doors for that's going to open at 11am program starts at 12 there's vip tickets available to get locked in to get uh, to be able to listen to and learn from gary player you can visit pbkennelclub.com or call 561-683-2222 extension 140 again that's gary player coming Live in the Paddock Restaurant, Monday, April 17th, World Golf Hall of Famer, Gary Player. We're talking about winning at all-time levels. We're talking about the NBA, and I have a crazy stat that comes from Greg Popovich, maybe... Not if not for some, for some people the greatest coach of all time in the NBA, but at least um, on a Mount Rushmore level for anybody that gauges it. Crazy stat with Greg Popovich and what the Spurs are doing, and there's a real good reason for it when we come back here from the second floor of the PBKC. It's a sports card memorabilia show. Jay Mart here, Pat Rooney Jr. there, Theo Dorsey here. We'll tap back in with you in a second on ESPN 106.3. 18 players in the National Basketball Association averaged 25 points per game or more. And the two-time reigning MVP and likely third in a row, Nikola Jokic, isn't even one of them. That stat found by Cyrus Whitting, but courtesy of, I'm sure, ESPN Stats and Info, uh, here on the second floor of the PBKC, that just further defines just how crazy the talent is at the top of the league and also for some maybe there's not enough defense being played theo dorsey back here big teddy takeover on the second floor of the pbkc it is the sports card memorabilia show and we have jay mart and pat rooney jr who is the president here of the palm beach kennel club and we're talking a lot of basketball in that first uh, segment there of course we we brought up the Embiid almost uh, full length shot, and and we're talking about some of these guys at the top of the league trying to contend for championships. On the other end of it is the teams on the bottom half of the league, the teams that don't have championship aspirations and also really don't have playoff aspirations. They've got aspirations uh, over the waters on this guy named Victor Wimbinyama who is seven foot five with a seven ten wingspan, can dribble the ball and shoot it like Kevin Durant, also can defend the rim like Rudy Gobert, maybe. The best prospect, and this is what they're saying, best prospect since LeBron James came into the league with that much hype, and it's causing a huge stir. So much so that Greg Popovich, head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, one of the most revered men when it comes to the game of basketball, and not just the United States, but in the history of basketball itself, he's kind of fallen into this same, not trap, because it really worked out for him when he did it in the 90s and got Tim Duncan, but Let's just say he's outright tanking right now. The San Antonio Spurs lost the game to the Utah Jazz last night. Now they've lost 16 straight games. And especially since I got you here, Pat, I wonder if you know who holds the record, not just in the National Basketball Association, but in team sports, the most losses in a row
2: Uh, I know you're giving me because it's a Sixers (laughs) uh, yeah I mean now that was just before I started like with my sports knowledge and yeah because I think that was 1972 or something like that or three uh yeah they were terrible I think they won 10 games or something that whole year um and i don't even know if they were tanking i think they just stunk they were bad they <laughs> were just they were just awful
1: just to be clear though with your with your question yes. the washington generals do not count
0: the washington generals would not count okay. in this i'm talking about because they get
1: paid to play <laughs> and i don't think they've ever won a game
0: major professional sports in the nba so Fair enough. between the nba the nhl mlb and and uh, the who am i forgetting there the nfl nba mlb nhl, NHL. Yeah. yeah the longest losing streak in major American sports, do belong to your Philadelphia 76ers in twenty fifteen. Do you remember the number?
2: Oh my God! Uh, well, that was the that was the the process. Yes, years. that was process. So, Sam Hinkie. Uh, man, I, that could be in the twenties, maybe. I don't know. That was awful. They were terrible. Twenty eight. 20 28 game losing streak eight. wow oh boy
0: and here's the thing <laughs> here's the thing the san antonio spurs who have lost 16 straight who are starting a bunch of rookies and g leaguers and guys who are not going to win at this level in the nba and are head coached by greg popovich have lost 16 straight they have 21 more games left in the regular season they are in a race for the bottom for good reason because vic Wimbanyama is a franchise-altering player. He's a guy that you can drag and drop on any NBA team and say, you know what, I think they can make the playoffs this year and maybe in a few years be contending for titles for the next decade. Vic Wimbanyama is considered that highly uh, touted of a prospect. The San Antonio Spurs, and this is going to be weird for a lot of us, with Greg Popovich at the helm, a guy who is top 10 all-time in winning percentage, last year he eclipsed the NBA record for most wins in a career as a coach. He might be tied to, and this is very, we're in really dangerous waters of this happening the longest losing streak in all of American sports history. The Spurs have lost 16 straight, the record is 28, 12 more, and Greg Popovich, a guy who is going to be a First Ballot Hall of Famer the day he decides to retire, is going to be tied to that for you guys. And I know Popovich might not care as much about this, he also might not even be purposefully tanking. He might be trying to coach these guys up, but they're starting. You know, their best guy right now is a guy named Jeremy Soshin from Baylor, who's a rookie and a raw prospect. Like, they are really scraping the bottom of the barrel to put guys out there and play games. For me, as a basketball fan, and for me, as a guy who's always revered, Greg Popovich is one of the greats. It's going to kind of tainted it a little bit to see him kind of go out like this. His latter years haven't been good. How do how do you guys feel about it? Because obviously the Spurs want to lose. They want to have one of those top four picks and a shot at getting Vic Wimbenyama, But having a GOAT, one of the greats, be tied to maybe the biggest losing streak of all time, I think we're in dangerous waters here.
2: Yeah, I, I if I was Greg Popovich, now here's a real quick trivia. The San Antonio Spurs did beat the Philadelphia 76ers this year in Philadelphia earlier in the year, oh, so wow. that shows you, you know, hmm. something is going on here, but um, – but, I, yeah, if I was Popovich, I, I wouldn't want to have that associated with me. I it, It's not like you're definitely getting the number one pick, even if you have the worst record. Man. So you, you, I, I would expect that he really doesn't want to have that. He probably realizes that his team is not good and he's doing the best he can. But I, I would imagine that he does not want to be labeled as the coach that had the worst losing streak of all time. That's terrible.
0: It's bad. They've already eclipsed the Spurs record. And the worst part about all of it is, as we know, they, they've changed the odds when it comes to the top pick. It's not like the NFL where if you have the most losses, you get the first pick. There's a draft lottery. The odds have also flattened. So the top three teams, or I guess the bottom three teams in the NBA all get a 14% chance at the number one pick. And then from there the, the odds start to flatten and flatten and get smaller. For the San Antonio Spurs right now, with all the losing that they're doing and they're doing it at a historic pace and on pace to set a record for most losses in a row in professional sports history, they still don't even have the worst record in the NBA. They got more losing to do. Job's not done for the Spurs and Greg Popovich, and that's why I fear that this might end up happening. They can't – he's not in position right now to just win a game in the middle of it to break the streak. If he really wants to tank for Vic Wimbenyama, you got to keep losing because you got to keep up with the Rockets, who are 13-46. and 46. In the Eastern Conference, you got the Pistons, 15-46. and 46. The Hornets, 19-43. and 43. The Spurs right now just 14-47. and 47. Second worst team, but if you really want the guy, if you want the next Tim Duncan,
1: yeah, lose a
0: little more. So I don't I I don't
1: buy that he's gonna get this streak. You don't think so? I don't think so. Because So, we're at 16 games, which is a remarkable streak. (laughs) But you still, to even get to 28, you still have to have another remarkable streak to get there. This is true. 12 games losing in a row is still remarkable. Even though they have 16 behind (laughs) them, 12 more ahead is a big thing. They're going to pull out a victory out of one of those games. I genuinely (laughs) believe that. Whether they mean to or not, (laughs) they're going to win a game. And it's interesting about the, the, the Victor Wimbenjana, like, Hype, yeah, because he's so tall. Like, to me, that doesn't necessarily it's not always a great thing, yeah. Like, like, there's been a couple of guys that, that had that that frame that were all time greats, but they weren't that tall. Like, Hakeem Olajuwon wasn't seven
0: five, no, nah, he was like he what, seven that, one. He
1: had a, the rail thin kind of you know, and he was super fluid and all of that stuff, one of the greatest centers of all time, but he wasn't seven five. I mean, to me, there comes a point where that's that's a negative. Like, I don't
0: know. I hear you. It, it's it's a risk because of the injury risk that you get sure. with some of these taller guys. Yao Ming's career was ended short because of injury. Uh, Sean Bradley, his movement wasn't as good. He was like what 77 76 yeah. seven, yeah. his movement. But the difference with this dude, and I don't know how, how familiar are you with uh, Vic Williams th-
2: Now again, I'm old school here. Yeah. I got my sports illustrated this week and he's on the cover. Yeah. That's how I know about. <laughs> uh but Fair but, enough. but yeah, you, but exactly what you're saying, John. It, it, when you when you get guys that are super big like that, sometimes it's it it, it almost it's weird cuz you think, "Oh, they just got to get under the basket and they could basically stand there and, you know, dunk it." But uh, but you've seen just those names you, you mentioned, Theo. Guys that are sometimes super big like that don't necessarily translate into, like, instant, you know, oh, we got a cornerstone now for the next 15 years on our team. It, the crazy thing
0: about him right now, and the reason why everybody is so bought in is because, again, he, he moves like Kevin Durant. He can dribble the ball and handle it like a guard. He can defend the rim and all of that stuff. But he also, this past year – they know what they have in France. His coaches, his team, his circle, they know what they have. And Jonathan Javoni and, um, and Brian Winhurst just did a big piece uh, over ESPN that they came out a few days ago. They went over to France. They studied him. They watched a lot of his games. They talked to his trainers and his coaches. They're treating Vic Wimbanyama right now like an NBA superstar when it comes to his dieting. Eating all organic when it comes to his trainers who do uh, very pointed workouts with him before and after games, he takes care of his body very well. Like, they are really honed in on making sure that this guy is a can't miss prospect. And that's just talking about the off the court stuff. When you watch him on the court, I mean, the dude is kind of unstoppable. He's hitting one handed three pointers from distance off of one foot, he's blocking shots all over the rim. Like, he is that kind of prospect. The injury risk is always going to be a thing with any kind of frame. You see this right now in the NFL. Teams would line up to draft Bryce Young at any snap of the finger if he was 6'3 and he had a little bit of weight on him. But since he's 5'11", a buck 80, there's injury risk. You see it with Tua Loa with the Miami Dolphins right now. Smaller guy, even though he has a bigger frame, injury risk. Like, I get it, but, man. You watch Vic Wimanyama play a couple games. I, I, it makes sense why Greg Popovich might just be soon tied to the longest losing streak in American sports history. And you know what? Two decades from now, I won't even be that mad at it if he ends up with Vic Banyama. <laughs> It'll be worth the risk to me. I don't know.
1: I mean, if he is the
0: guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if he's, if he's bull bull... <laughs> I mean, you know, and Bobo's yeah, getting better. Yeah. Bobo's getting better, yeah. but Bobo's that guy. I mean, he he's not as highly touted, but that that's the height that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like that's such a rare thing. It's rare. Actually, I don't even think Bobo is that tall. He's not. He's not. I think he's like seven two. Yeah,
0: but he and Bobo moves like a guard, and it's it's just interesting. It's funny too that you have. These, these teams, not just Greg Popovich, that's the one highlighted because it's the big name and it's sure. the bigger franchise, but, like, these teams are racing to the bottom of the standings, losing games, losing fans, just for a chance at this dude.
1: The idea that Greg Popovich is awesome. Like, he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to tank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't think he tanked
0: for, for Duncan Oh, they tanked for Tim. I don't know. Do you remember that? But that was... They tanked for Duncan. They you held remember David that? They you remember that? Well, I, I read you the sports. Like, you were like five or six. That's why probably. I looked. At <laughs> 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 That's why I looked at you guys. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> cognizant of what was going on. But they held David Robinson out and they prolonged his injury mm. in that year to make sure they had a shot at getting Tim Duncan. And it worked out. It worked. It did.
1: Out. It did. And, and by the way, if, if Victor Weminyana is, is like half of the player that Tim Duncan was, yeah, then was, the more was Tim home, Duncan seven fine. feet? I maybe a shade like under six eleven. He was like so. I'm trying to think
2: now. You give me give me like the top three guys over seven feet that are true superstars. I, I can think of Wilt and Kareem. Shaq. I can't, I'll, get, I'll give I'll yeah, give you Shaq. I'll give you Shaq. But other than that, who else we got? I mean, that are superstars that are like legitimately changed teams. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It, you know, it, you get to that 6'11". But as soon as you get over seven feet, it, it's like you're saying, John. It's just it's awkward for those guys to really be able to to meld that game into something where they're dominating. Totally. It and totally. that's that's the thing I think that goes back to you and what you're saying. I am not trying to take anything away from this kid. He might be the exception and just completely dominate everything in the NBA. But but there really aren't a ton of like over seven feet guys that are, that you can say, hey, this guy was absolutely dominant. And Hakeem is listed at at seven feet. Flat. Yeah, so okay. I would put All him right. in there. I put too, him in absolutely. I put him in there too. Yeah, yeah, he was. A but seven you're right though. The list
1: is short. I actually would have thought it would be a little bit longer, but well, I'm struggling to come up with any more. I
2: the list is right.
0: also short in human history of seven footers. So, why. Well, that's
2: yeah, are that's that's absolutely right. right. <laughs> but you named a bunch of them though yeah. that just didn't, you know. That just didn't translate into being what people thought they were going. to. I remember the Sixers took Sean Bradley, and and it was just and he just never nothing happened with him, and, yeah. and he was like the number no, I think he was the number one overall pick, and it was just like so disappointing because you thought he was just going to come in and but that didn't happen.
0: It doesn't always it pan doesn't. out, but teams right now are banking on Vic Wimanyama panning out, and we'll see how it pan- I can't wait to see who ends up getting them. Yeah, it'll be a fascinating story to watch um, from this end. I have a quick question for you, Pat Rooney Jr. While we have you here, because of the fact that we have guys like. Gary Player coming in. We've had Doug Flutie for these Lunch with Legends. We've had these huge names. How, how are y'all doing it? How are y'all able to book these kind of guests? <laughs> well, you got to pay people? him money. I mean, yeah, that's number that one. money. Uh, <laughs> that helps. But,
2: uh, <laughs> you know, the, the nice thing about living in South Florida, especially this time of year, is a lot of these guys are here. Flutie lives up in Melbourne. We had Johnny Bench. He lives in Tequesta, I think. Uh, we had Joe Theismann, who uh, has some business interests down here, so we were able to get him to come down so he could check on that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, you, you're the nice thing about being in south florida is a lot of these guys have connections gary player obviously i think lives here right um so you know it's just mainly appealing to hey can you get in a car and come down uh so it's 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 an effort though don't get me wrong they they want to make sure that they're taken care of and all that kind of stuff for the most part but a lot of them are just you know they're happy to come down for an afternoon and talk to some people and you know if they have a book or something like that, or they want to you know sell something. Uh, we're absolutely able to do that for them too. So it's it's kind of a win win for both of us. But um, but yeah, it, it's negotiation and all that have, kind of stuff.
1: Have any of the athletes that you've had speaking, or any of the comedians that you have, and you don't have to say names, but have any of them been like a huge pain in the yes? Role?
2: So are you kidding me? Absolutely. <laughs> they wow. not like I only want green M and M's or something like that in in my dressing room, but. Um, yeah, you get, when you get into travel, especially, John, it's like I, I want an afternoon, first-class, direct flight. I'm like, well, there are no direct flights into West Palm. So we either got to fly to Fort Lauderdale. Well, then I want a limo to pick me up, and mm. I want to stay at the breakers or, or something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, now we're getting into ridiculous money, and we can't afford to have you. So, unfortunately, yes, and, and some of those just don't work out. Uh, but that's okay. Generally, we, we will find people... I'll tell you this: We find a lot more people that are less high maintenance than than I thought they would be. A, a lot of people. We just had Andrew Dice Clayner. You would think he'd be super high maintenance, totally. like he's not. He's stay, staying, you know, in a downtown nothing hotel, and you now he complained about it during his act. <laughs> but I think I think that was part of the act. He act. That's I think he actually likes it, but yeah. he didn't want to appear like you know. So anyway, uh, for the most part, though, most of the people that want to work or want to come here and speak they find a way to do it. If if they're being too much of a pain in the butt, I, I just say, you know, listen, maybe it's not a good match for us, or we'll try and figure something out later. So, but it, it's much more people that are willing to do it than not.
0: Yeah, I love that. Gary Player again coming April 17th to the Paddock Restaurant for the Lunch with the Legend, the Sports Business Club of the Palm Beaches, presenting that as well. Looking forward to that one. And I love when y'all do it because it's an easy TV interview for me. I'm like, great. We're getting these uh, legends to be able to get a quick interview with. True.
2: Let's the work the, the nice thing, real quick, for, with Gary, yeah. Theo, he, he is not filtered. He will. <laughs> you ask him about Live or you ask him about – Something with Tiger or Rory, or, he'll tell you. I, Russ, when Russ Evans and I used to do the, you know, tea time for ESPN on Sunday mornings. We'd have Gary, we had probably Gary on at least four or five times. He's I think one of our best guests we've ever had because you could ask him anything and he would give you his opinion. He wouldn't try and sugarcoat it, which is what all you want out of a guy. I yep. love those guys. There's so few of those people. Yep,
0: I love it. I love it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. We're gonna uh, take a quick break here. When we come back, I gotta. We're talking stare downs. We're talking stare downs. <laughs> J Mart said he he hasn't gotten any, into any um, stare downs as an adult or maybe even as a kid. Yeah, I don't think you can't so.
1: think of any. I don't think so. Pat Rooney
0: Jr. know <laughs> I. I usually am like, all right, whatever, whatever you want, I'm out. Well, there was a very uh, interesting stare-down in college basketball that happened this week, and it, it made me reflect on the time I got into a, a very similar stare-down, wow. and things ended kind of shifty. We're talking wow. stare-downs, and we're also going to bring in, some, um, of course, some Honda Classic updates here from the second floor of the PBKC. Free parking, free admission. It's a sports car trading and memorabilia show. We're going to be right back here on ESPN 106.3 live from the second floor of the legendary palm beach kennel club the pbkc sports card show joe devito joe devito from the gutfield show will be live in the paddock restaurant friday march 10th joe devito best known for his appearances on gutfield in addition to being one of their writers he's off also often on their panel and performs on the show Do- joe devito one of the many great acts coming to the palm beach kennel club in the Paddock Restaurant again, Friday, March 10th. Today we have the Sports Car Trading and Memorabilia Show on the second floor of the PBKC. As we always rock it, myself, Theo Dorsey from WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX, Fox 29. We got J Mart, uh, who is wh- the main thing for me right now is you. I, I love the fact that we had the reunion uh, with you and Evan Cohen. Yeah. But- but now you're back to your your normal slate with a better co-host. You've elevated from Evan Cohen, <laughs> so I know people are happy for you there, right? Like that's got to be good.
1: Oh, I hear about it all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're like, man, I can't. I'm, like, good thing you got rid of FCO. Yes. What is he even doing these days, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> then we got Pat Rooney Jr., who we're, we're holding hostage. Who He's going to be on Honda Classic Live with Ken Lavica in about 20, 30 minutes or so, but we're holding on to you as long as we can to keep Ken Levicka waiting. I'm a,
2: I'm a willing hostage. <laughs> yeah, there, willing hostage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Having a good time here on the second floor. Um, and speaking of, of, of holding on to and keeping hostage, man, this – Last or not last night, two nights ago now, um, in college basketball, there was a vicious stare-down, a vicious stare-down on the basketball court between the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes, Fran McCaffrey, and Kelly Pfeiffer, a referee. Now, this stare-down happened with Michigan State. It was a Michigan State-Iowa game. Um, Michigan State leading 91-81 with a minute and a half left to go in the game. Iowa down 10 after a tech gets called on Fran McCaffrey, head coach of the Iowa basketball team, he then gets a little bit ticked off. So now Fran McCaffrey's a little in his feelings. His team is about to lose the game. He breaks out of his huddle, walks over, and stands in front of Kelly for the referee, and literally just stares into his the eye opening. His sockets just looks dead in his pupils. And they do this thing for about 10 minutes. 15 seconds before finally, and multiple attempts were made by players and staffers to get Fran back into the huddle. Finally, somebody gets Fran to pull back into the huddle and in the stare down. Now, all of this sounds crazy already. Even crazier is that following this stare down, again, his team down 10 with a minute and a half left, Iowa, who trailed then by 11 points with a minute remaining in the game, hit five three-pointers, In the final 40 seconds to force overtime, and then they come all the way back and win it 112-106 in overtime. Fran McCaffrey, now first off, I want you guys to hear the broadcast. This was on ESPN. The commentators trying to piece together in their minds here what's actually playing out because I think, just like us, they can't believe that Fran, a grown man, a leader of young men, would, in the middle of a basketball game, stare down a referee like he was doing. Here it is, the ESPN broadcast, Iowa State, Michigan State. The commentator's trying to figure out what in the world is happening.
2: I understand, though. You know what? If somebody, when I was playing, had, had said something about a player that played my position and they didn't mention me, I, I would not have been happy either. So I, I'm with it for Phillip. Yeah. Hey, uh, America may have been surprised by this, but we're not perfect, we're not folks. We do make a couple of
0: mistakes. What is happening here? Brad's is staring up now right now. Old-fashioned staring down. Oh, here. Oh, Kelly Blint. <laughs> Now, for the entirety of that clip, you couldn't tell at first because I'm sure the commentators are thinking, okay, this is going to last two seconds, three seconds. For the entirety of that about 19 to 20 second clip, Fran, again, his team is huddling up. You would think the Iowa basketball team needs to hear from their head coach during this timeout. No. Fran has left his huddle and is staring down and starts to inch closer to referee uh, Kelly Pfeiffer in that moment. To me incredibly insane. Now, J. Mark, you already said you haven't had any, any real stare-downs. Pat, you've had some time to think about it. Any stare-downs have you gotten into? I mean, you've been a politician and everything. I know you've gotten into some No, stare I
2: instantly back down. <laughs> I, I, I think people that do that are a little insane, so I'm like, I, I don't even know what this is, so I don't want to get into it. But uh, I, And I, I read about that, because I, re, I remember reading, like, Iowa came back and won the game, so yeah. I'm like, well, maybe the stare-down worked. <laughs> Whatever he, mind meld he put on the ref worked, but... Uh, yeah, it reminds me. I, I can I can swear that Joe West, who's a a major league umpire, did this with some pitcher too, where like he was waiting for him to throw the ball and then and then he wouldn't do it. And I can't remember the pitcher. And it was, it's fairly recently, like in the last five years or so. And they just stared at each other for a while. And like the catcher's like, I don't know what to do. He like he's not going to throw the ball. The umpire's like waiting for him to do something. So I guess this is now maybe something that might happen. in sports, especially because he won. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you're right. Shouldn't he be with the with the- the, the, the guy's, like, telling him what the play is. Like, they're all probably in the huddle. Like, what are we going to do? He's, like, you know, he's lost his mind. So, very odd. Bumgarner. Oh, okay. Oh, that, that's right. Just found exactly. But, yeah, yeah what like, you like about? he wouldn't throw the pitch or something. And, and I think it was Joe West. He's, like, looking at him. They're both staring at each other. And it was weird. I, yeah. I don't know. Those things get weird to me. I'm, like, somebody break and, you know, but just get was, on with it.
1: This was weird, too, Pat. Like, this, the basketball one was yeah. really kind of crazy. And...
0: And also, they were like two feet from each other by the end of the down. It wasn't like they were doing it from across the court. He oh, started right next off, to each
1: other. They started off. They started off pretty far. Uh, but uh, then, yeah. they, but they now that's like even
2: weirder. Yes, closer. Yeah, like, going to kiss
1: next. Like, <laughs> that's right. It's like. <laughs> what, what and by the doing? way, I don't. The ref didn't do anything wrong. He, he the, held the it down. The ref was standing yeah. there, and and the coach is like staring at him, and he did just didn't do anything. I don't even think the ref did anything wrong. I think yeah. the coach looked like a complete moron. Yeah, I think yeah. he looked so dumb, but as as we've alluded it clearly helped us team. it worked so <laughs> it worked. i mean good for him like he he looks too, like a moron to everybody except for his squad which yeah. i guess is all that matters
0: it, it's um eye contact is the most intense form of communication i mean if sure. somebody in this in this room here on the second floor of the pbkc is we're buying and selling and trading cars if if i saw somebody staring at me from over there i would it would catch your attention it Think about it. How do guys feel it? Even
1: if you don't see it, you can feel somebody staring at you. It's
0: weird. It is the weirdest and the most intense form of communication. Even more than even somebody yelling at you. If you just have somebody just staring at you for like a long amount of time, it is crazy to feel. It has to be even more insane for a referee who just gave Fran McCaffrey a technical foul and Fran to step that close to him and they have that stare down super weird.
1: It's also it's also funny too because the the guy's not quite as big but the ref has an Ed Hockley feel oh, to yeah, him. Yeah. Like he's got muscles <laughs> and he's standing there and there's this old basketball coach <laughs> is like trying to intimidate
0: him. It's ridiculous. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not nervous ones." It would be exactly. a, it would be a lot different if Dwayne the Rock Johnson or something talks to you. I would be turned around going the other way like I'm in the wrong position. I'll never forget though it reminded me I'm actually I mean Of the many trades I had before I was sitting here um, before you as the WPTV sports anchor and ESPN West Palm radio host, at one point I was a high school basketball official. Okay. And I had my own similar version of this, not as long and intense, where a coach tried to stand off with me, and it ended a little awry. Now – I wasn't the highest level high school basketball official. I was officiating at this point. It was a JV girls basketball game. In this, (laughs) yeah, you were not. It was. Yes, what are you like (laughs) seventeen doing this thing? Sadly, I was like twenty (laughs) six. It was. It was in my break. I took a break from the industry at this point, and I was doing some side jobs, and this was one of them. So. I'm officiating this game in this massive arena. It probably holds about 5,000. It's where the varsity teams. Well, you know how some areas have those arenas where all of the varsity teams share it? Sure. And JV sometimes will play before varsity. So it was one of those type things. 5,000 capacity, maybe 100 people in the crowd. Got it. If that. So we're in this massive arena. Um, It was one of those teams, too. In, in girls' basketball, especially on the JV level, and the freshman level, you can tell how that game's going to go about three minutes into it. Because if there's a, a star on one of those teams, it, it gets out of hand pretty quickly. Because if there's one or two, it gets uh, – so it was one of those type games. The team that was uh, – of the coach that was mad was down about 20, 30 points. This is just <laughs> after halftime. The game is out of hand. He does not have the the, the gals to compete. With the team, on the other hand, and us as officials at that point, we're just going to keep calling the game, moving it along. He is complaining time after time about little minute things like, ooh, that's a travel. Y'all need to call that. That's why we're losing. Or, ooh, that's all of these things, yelling at us, bickering at us. So eventually, I do tee him up, throw the tech. Beep. Boom. Tech, get him down. Hey, coach, you need to get back in your box. Boom, I'm thinking I'm the man. I thought I just did something. I'm correcting some behavior that was kind of unbecoming of him at that point, and I'm feeling good. We turn around, I go get in position, the uh, the winning team shooting technical foul free throws, and all the while, while I'm doing all of this, coach from his bench is just laser beam staring me down. Not saying anything, not moving a muscle, laser beam staring me down. So after we're done with the technical foul free throws, we move on, a little bit of play ensues, timeout is called. I go over to the uh, scorer's table to uh, kind of make sure everything's good, you got to check in with the books, make sure things are solid. And the coach comes over to me and he says, You know, I'm not, he said, You know, I'll let you know right now, I'm not angry at you. (laughs) I said, I said, (laughs) Hey, to be honest with you, sir, that doesn't really matter to me right now if you're mad or not. Uh, You know what I'm saying? We're just officiating the game, whatnot. He said, You know, I'll let you know, he said, You know how to tell when I'm actually mad? I said, What was that, sir? He said, If I was actually mad, I would air this place out. And I said, What does that mean? He threatened, after staring me down, he threatened that if he actually got mad, if I did enough to make him mad in that game, that he would air it out. Now, where I'm from, air it out means that you're going to be using firearms to clear right. out a building. Okay, that's kind of right. what I thought. And that's what I thought. And Pat, you the same, right? Absolutely. For me as a basketball official at that point, I said, okay, I appreciate that note. I walk over to the other official. I said, hey, we got to get this game over with as soon as possible. So after that, we you know call a solid game. The game ends. Afterwards, we do the handshake things. I get in my car. I go. And from that day on... Because this is like a the northeast corner of Houston. I was like, I'm not officiating games. <laughs> in Any game that got that team on it or that name, I'm not going anywhere back near that place. Because you know what? This little $50 an hour is not worth uh, him airing it out if he gets a little too angry. That was my stare down. Now, Fran McCaffrey, I'm sure, wasn't going to take it to that level. But again, that's just how silly and insane some of these things get with basketball coaches and officials when they feel like their teams are getting unjustly done. I was nervous that day. Hopefully, that it, it didn't get to that point. And the Iowa won, so friend came out on the winning side. I mean, I get those girls JV games; they get tense.
2: Yeah, I yeah. Mean. <laughs> That's one thing where where you can almost go to the guy like at the sign, be like, dude. You know what you got here. Yeah, this yeah. Ain't, this ain't happening. Why are you Why are you getting all bunged up about? It's It's a simple game. It's going to be over in twenty minutes. Like what? But if you continue, I'm going to have to ring you up here. So just yeah. if you want to go that route. But I, I just don't get guys, especially that JV is developmental. You're you're, right. you're just letting the kids have fun. That's all that is. Guys, if you're in the varsity, I get it. It's a little more. It's more intense. Guys are trying to get to college. All right, J V is not at that level. It's yeah. fun. It's yeah. supposed to be fun. And also on top of all of that, like it's not like my calls is the reason
0: why y'all are down. Like you say, right. you don't you don't have the so so everybody relax, let's get out of here and, and also with kids involved, just irresponsible. And I think again, with Fran McCaffrey, it's not those two aren't comparable because at least we don't know Fran to have said anything like that. But I just remember the feeling of being a referee, knowing you made a call and watching a coach stare you down. It's an intimidation tactic. Sure. It's because he wants you now to swallow that whistle when his guys have the ball and also blow the whistle more for them, maybe on fouls and stuff. It's it's kind of like trying to game it, but I think at that point you've taken it a little too far.
1: So, so what you're saying is – because it worked on you. That guy oh, it worked. That guy should have tried it <laughs> earlier is what yes. you're saying.
0: Yes. No, 100% it worked <laughs> on me. But, again, that was at the JV basketball level. I was an official that was there for the check and not necessarily for the integrity of the game. I'm like, get me out of here. I am not getting shot down because this dude is, is obsessed over a game where he wants to come back from 30 points. It's it's, uh, it's insane. Those are the fun things that come with you. Funny because you, you talk about how JV girls basketball – it's even worse probably for some officials on the little league level oh, ter- with these parents. Little league's horrible. Yeah.
2: Absolute worst. <laughs> these parents. Absolute worst. They, they, if you, you've experienced some oh of that. Oh my God, yeah. with my two kids, absolute worst experience I've ever had. The poor kids that are umpires are generally like 15, 16 years old. And they're just, they're kids. And the parents are absolutely out of control, yeah. awful, yelling all this crap at them. And I'm like, again, it's little league. You're, you're talking seven, eight, <laughs> nine-year-old kids. <Yeah. laughs> one more inning, one more inning blue, one more, you know, because they have time limits. No. Now, It's it's 22 to nothing. No more innings. (laughs) This is over. These kids are getting embarrassed out here. It is horrible. um, Uh, Worst worst experience ever is that. Yes,
0: 100%. Everybody can agree with you. Anybody that's been around those environments can agree with you on that. Uh, Honda Classic is gearing up. Leaders teeing off at 1%. Thirty-five. Next up on ESPN 106.3, we'll be Honda the Classic Live with Ken Lavicka. So we want to be tapped in on that. Again, I will give you a quick update of the leaderboard. We have Chris Kirk at the top right now at 13 under. Again, he's teeing off with Eric Cole. Eric Cole, who is a Delray, Delray Beach uh, resident. Speaking of, you know, we were talking, Pat, about all the guys that live around here. All these golf dudes all have strict ties to Palm Beach County. Eric Cole included, who's two shots back of Kirk at eleven under and will be out there uh, later today. What do you what how long are you sticking around the Honda Classic today, Pat?
2: Uh, not too long. I'm actually playing golf this afternoon, so I'll be there for a little bit. But I never like being there. I like watching the end on TV. That's where where all the act. If you go to a golf event, it's hard to sometimes discern what's going on if you're at one specific hole or whatever. Yeah. So I I think for me, it's much better watching the end of a golf tournament on TV. Jay, I'll be there at the end.
0: You're hitting PGA National too. Yeah, man. I'll be there all day, all day. I'll be there to the close as well until we crown a champion at the Honda Classic. It's fun as always here. Remember the Palm Beach Kennel Club bringing Gary Player April 17th to the Paddock Restaurant Lunch with the Legend. Get your tickets for that, pbkennelclub.com. We'll see you next time on the PBKC Show. Thanks so much, Pat Rooney Jr., Jay Mart. I'm Theo Dorsey. Next up on ESPN 106.3, Honda Classic Live with Ken Lavicka from PGA National.